Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. For those of you who I have not yet had to, had the chance to say Happy New Year, I know we're 27 days in, but it still feels kind of fresh and new, doesn't it? I know some of us were happy to see 2018 draw to a close. For some of us, it was a challenging year. For some of us, we were just ready for it to be done. And then for some of us, 2018 had some special, some special things that happened in 2018 that we'll remember. Actually, I just looked at Elaine, and she has two twin grandsons that were born in 2018. So that's a special year for some of us that we will always remember. But just about for everyone, the new year brings excitement and anticipation and hope. It's an opportunity to start fresh, to start over, to do a do-over, if you will. Perhaps some things that we wanted to do in 2018 didn't happen or some things that happened in 2018 that we didn't want to happen, that we have a chance to try again because of God's faithfulness in 2019. Maybe it's a chance to get something right that we didn't get quite right. You know, according to statistics, 60% of us do New Year's resolutions. I'm just curious. I can't see you very well, but raise your hand if you do a New Year's resolution or intentions. I want to see how well we stock up. Well, we don't look like we do resolutions in this round. Okay, I'll keep it moving. But traditionally, and around the world, it's said that 60% of us do New Year's resolutions, and we keep doing them, even though it's said that only 8% of them ever get done. Year after year, we keep thinking fresh and new. And I can't help but wonder if that reflects the fact that we are hungry for something. We have a vision of what could be. We have a vision of how we think things should be. We're hungry for how we want, want things to be. We may hunger for a pleasant surprise or serendipity, new discoveries, new experiences, even new relationships. We envision a brand new day, a, way, a new way of being in the world perhaps. We often see the possibility of a better version of ourselves. And those of us who are believers, we we enter into a new year looking toward God. We look to God for direction. We look to him for promises and things that we're expecting and hoping will happen in the new year. We anticipate God's favor and his blessings in the new year. We wrap a whole lot of hope in a new year. But you know, I had a thought, and I wondered if while we are looking to God, could it be that God is looking to us? What if God is saying, yes, you're right, it's a new day, it's a new year, let's do this. What if God has an adventure with your name on it? What if he is inviting you to be your best you 
yet. And he's extending his hand with an open palm and saying, come on, let's go. What do you say to that? When it comes to a new year, we understand resolutions around weight loss or financial goals or career changes. But we don't often talk about a God adventure. Some of us may not even be sure what that means and we may not even be sure that we want it. You don't know what God might do. To be surrendered to a God adventure may be a little scary. But there's someone in the Bible who did exactly that. He put his hands in God's hands. He caught God's vision for himself. He decided to be in it all the way. Full throttle, leaning all the way in for whatever God wanted to do. His sole focus was to pursue Jesus in all that God had for him. It's how he became and lived into his best self. And he provides an example for each one of us, a template, if you will, for how we too, me and you, can live into your best self. And I would encourage you to open your Bibles at this point to Philippians 3. We'll be looking at verses 12 through 14. The person that I'm talking about is Paul. And as you're looking for it, I invite you to stand as we hear the word of the Lord. And it's going to be on the screen because I am going to be reading from a different version, the the New Century Version, because I I like this. It's it's a fresh approach. This may be a, a passage of scripture you're familiar with. And I invite you to listen for a fresh approach. And if it's new to you, I think you'll find it very interesting. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul writes, I do not mean that I am already as God wants me to be. I have not yet reached the goal, but I continue trying to reach it and to make it mine. Christ wants me to do that, which is the reason he made made me his. Brothers and sisters, I know that I have not yet reached that goal. But there is one thing I always do, forgetting the past and straining toward what is ahead. I keep trying to reach the goal and get the prize for which God has called me through Christ to the life above. Heavenly Father, as we prepare now to hear your word and to open our hearts and minds for what you have uniquely to say to each one of us. God, I ask that you just continue to to radiate your presence in this place, that we would continue in the spirit of worship that we have already begun, that our hearts are softened and our ears are open for your word, that we are attentive to your presence and that we are aware of your voice in our hearts. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 and you may be seated. The Apostle Paul is one of my favorite Bible personalities because he reminds me so much of someone who could just be alive and well right here today in Silicon Valley. 
He was a high achiever. He was very well educated, top in his class, a person of influence, a leader. He was ambitious and committed to his work. He wrote most of the New Testament after the Gospels, and it's said that he planted somewhere between 14 and 20 churches. As a Jewish Pharisee, he was very religious and he was highly regarded in his community. He was well known in the region because he was tenacious hunting down Christians, people he called of the way. For Paul, who was a Jewish Pharisee, he believed that Christians were a sect, a heretic, a a heretical group, and he was committed to eradicating them. Until one particular day, something dramatic and drastic changed everything for him. You may be familiar with the story. It's in Acts 9, and I I won't go through the whole story, but, but he is traveling on what's called the road to Damascus, and he has an encounter with Jesus. By this time, Jesus is already crucified and risen again, and, and it is much year, many years later, but Paul has, hears Jesus' voice, and he is blinded by light, and he recognizes the truth that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, and that changed everything for him. We still see him as a man who is ambitious and a person of influence and a person who is zealous. But, but now we see a man who is, has ambition, influence, and zeal all about Jesus. He had a complete change of heart, a complete change of vision for what was important in his life. His prestige, his possessions, his accomplishments, his resume, his credentials... His worldly possessions, everything that the world would hold dear and valuable, Paul considered it trash compared to the value of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says in his own words in the message version. Paul writes, The very credentials these people are waving around as something special. I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash. Along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. This is a man that is 
committed. His life is changed. And I don't think Paul means that his experiences and accomplishments are unimportant, but he's, he's making a significant distinction and point about what truly matters. He is actually affirming Jesus' own words when Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will fall in place. It's about first things first. For Paul, everything was about living for and in relationship with Jesus. No matter what the cost to be like Jesus or to be close to Jesus, that was his one singular goal. For Paul, everything was about Jesus. Earlier in Philippians, he says, for me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. Paul discovered that his best self was only found in Jesus Christ. And for us to live into our best selves, for you to become your best you yet, it's really all about Jesus too. Through Jesus, we can connect with God and gain God's vision for us. For a fruitful and abundant life. For joy and peace and wholeness. For purpose and meaning. For a mission that is specifically shaped for how God has wired each one of us. For a good and beautiful life. For your best you yet. To live into this best life that we're talking about comes with Jesus' invitation to follow him and God's vision for us to become all that God intends for us to become. Jesus gives us both a focal point, a means, and a reflection for our best you yet. So how do you, how do you live into this best you How do we get there like Paul? Paul says to the church in Philippi to follow me as I follow Christ. And and in our scripture this morning, there is a, a template that we too can follow if we want to live into our best selves. I was calling it the three B's because each one starts with a B, but each B starts with a D. So the eight o'clock service told me that I should name it the three BDs. So I will tell you all it's three BDs. And I will also tell you there will be a quiz at the end of the sermon. So please pay attention. The first B that we hear and learn from Paul is to be dissatisfied be dissatisfied. I know that sounds strange, but listen to Paul's words when he explains this. He says, I do not mean that I am already as God wants me to be. I have not yet reached that goal, but I continue trying to reach it and to make it mine. In Paul's day, and even for us who know, who have come to know Paul through his writing, Paul is considered a spiritual giant So the church in Philippi would have been surprised when he would say that I have not yet arrived. In that day, there was this notion that the spiritually mature had arrived and they could just kind of rest on their laurels. And and Paul is trying to debunk that myth that is circulating. 
So they would have been surprised to hear him say, I haven't reached the goal. I haven't arrived. I'm not a super saint. He's saying he has not yet reached that goal of closeness and intimacy that he wants with Christ. In short, he's not satisfied with where he is right now. That means he's dissatisfied because he is still trying to reach it. I think this is important for us to to ponder and contemplate because I think sometimes we can become satisfied. We admit like Paul that we aren't where we want to be, but for some of us, after we say that, it stops right there and we park. And we're kind of okay with that. We may agree that no one is perfect and we may say God is not through with us yet and we settle right there. We may say that we want to grow. We may say that we want something different. But do our actions back up our words? The dissatisfaction that I'm talking about, though, is not a guilt trip and it's not beating us up for where we aren't. It's a dissatisfaction that comes from a vision that there's more. That there's more to this journey called life. That there's more that God has for each of us. That there's more that God wants to do in us and through us. There's just plain more. And the dissatisfaction comes from catching that vision that where we are right now is not all there is. That God has a better version of us in mind. A better plan for us that we don't even know yet. It's a vision that when we truly catch it, we start to feel dissatisfied. Because we no longer want to stay in park we begin to hunger for more. It's saying that I'm not where I used to be, but I'm definitely not where I want to be. And I want more. My question for us this morning is, are you hungry for more? Are you dissatisfied? Do you have a vision for where God may want to take you and do you hunger for that? Is something stirring to say, God, I think I want more. And for Paul, since everything is about Jesus, he's not talking about more things or more money or more fame or more power. He's simply talking about more of Jesus and all that means and how that translates in our day-to-day lives when we have first things first. He wants more of all Christ offers, a deeper and more fulfilling relationship. Even though he was a spiritual giant, Paul is honest to say that he has not achieved his own vision yet, the vision that he sees through God's eyes. He knows that there's more. And that's true for us too. Wherever you are on your journey, however long you've been walking with Jesus, there's still more. Paul knew that there was more. And he was able to say, I haven't reached it yet, he confessed. Brothers and sisters, my prayer is that individually and as a church, we become dissatisfied. 
that we hunger for all that God wants to bestow on us and to do in us and to shape through us and how he wants to use us, that we become dissatisfied and that we want more. Let's not settle and park because God has more for you and he has more for me. And if you believe that's true, if you believe that God has more, I want to invite you to take this first step with me to be dissatisfied and declare our dissatisfaction together. I invite you to repeat after me. If you believe there's more, if you don't think there's more and you want to stay parked, then just wait until we finish this part. But if you want more, repeat after me. I do not mean that I am already as God wants me to be. I have not yet reached that goal. Let's do it one more time so we start to get it in our spirit. I do not mean that I am already as God wants me to be. I have not reached that goal. Once we start to really be dissatisfied because we have a vision that there's more, even if we don't know what the more is, even if we don't know what it means, but something stirs in us and that's God calling us and inviting us to his hands extended and he's saying, come on. Once we get that in our spirit and that dissatisfaction starts stirring, we're ready for change. We're ready for what God has. And the next step on the journey to our best selves is ready. And the next B, the next BD, once we are really in tune with being dissatisfied, the next BD is to be devoted. Be devoted. Paul continues in, his, in this passage. He says, I have not yet reached that goal but I continue trying to reach it and to make it mine. Christ wants me to do that, which is the reason he made me his. After Paul's spiritual encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus, he never, ever forgot what Jesus did for him. I actually like in the new... um, The NRSV version does a better job translating the Greek, I believe. At least it resonated more for me. It says, not that I have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I love that interplay. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. You get this sense of an exchange here that Jesus did something which compelled then Paul to do something in response. But this is simply not just a transactional exchange. It's what I'm calling a transformational exchange. You know, we just celebrated Christmas and and we do gift exchanges And I am wondering if you had the experience, I've had this experience, where I get a gift from somebody from Christmas that I didn't expect to get a gift from. 
In fact, I didn't even really know that we were friends. <laughs> and so you get this gift, and your first response, at least mine, is, is I feel a little embarrassed and I feel kind of bad because I don't have anything to give back. That's an example of a transactional exchange. It's one for one. It's just an exchange. If they didn't give me the gift, I wouldn't have even been thinking about it. But compare that to the gift when it's from somebody who has spent time and you can tell they spent time because the gift is perfect for you. You can tell that they spent some hours finding it. You can tell that it maybe even cost them a sacrifice in, in the cost or, or, or how they found it and, and they, it is just perfect for you. I had that happen for me this, this Christmas. I received a gift. Many of you know that I enjoy yoga and see yoga as a, as a form of body prayer. And I was given a gift this Christmas of a wall clock. And the wall clock has yoga poses around it. That's what I said. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that gift was perfect for me. Now, there's probably not one other person in this whole room who would want a yoga clock for Christmas. <laughs> but it was personal to me. And in that, that transformational exchange, my heart was full. I felt loved. I felt cherished. And I wanted to give something back. Not out of obligation. Not out of illegality. Not because I was supposed to but because my heart was touched. That's what I'm calling a transformational exchange. It's transformational because both people are touched and impacted by it. And that's what Paul understood. understood. That's what he understood about Jesus' love, that it is so immense that Paul's response was only to love Jesus back. That's what it means to be Devoted. First John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. Paul was devoted because he deeply knew from experience God's love for him. And God loves us just the same. The Bible says that we can't escape God's love. In fact, God pursues us with his love. It's us running away from it. He loves us that much. We may not always feel it. We may have trouble believing it. We may not even always accept it. And unfortunately, we don't even always remember it. But like Paul, when God's overwhelming love gets in your spirit, just like we felt this morning during worship, did you feel that? When that love gets in your spirit, you just want to fall down on your knees and just give love back to God. We're compelled to be devoted when we get that love, when we receive it and accept it. One of the ways that we seek to remember God's love every month is when we take communion. And as a communion host prepared a service, I want to do something different today. 
I want to have our communion time, which normally is at the end of service. I want to embed it right here, right now, as we can contemplate God's love. Communion in reality is remembering God's love story toward us. And as we take the bread and the, and, the, and the juice and we take it in, what we really are doing is renewing our love vows to Jesus. We're remembering what he did for us. And we're saying, I still love you, Jesus. I'm still with you. As we get ready to take communion right now, I'd like you to use this time just to continue reflecting on God's love. We've already done it in worship, so shouldn't be a big leap. Let's just go back into that space and reflect on his love. You may be in a, a season that's a storm, or you may be in a sunny season right now. Either way, think about what's good in your life. Thank God for it. That's his love. Think about the fact that God is near and present even when we don't understand what's going on. But his love is there. Think about how he strengthens and empowers you. That's his love. Think about how he cares and provides and sustains you and showers you with his grace. That's his love. So I'm going to just give you some time as we're being served. Hold this space. Think about God's love. Because it's out of that love we're compelled to be devoted. Hold that in your your heart. Let it go deep. It's the best gift you could ever get. Has everyone been served? I'd like us to reflect on this love story through communion together. If we could have the communion litany on the screen, please. As we eat this bread and drink from this cup, we remember the night you were betrayed. We remember the gift of the new covenant, a personal relationship with God through your sacrifice. We remember that you suffered, died, and rose again in power and glory. We confess that we can take your love for granted and we ask for your forgiveness. It is our desire to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. As we eat and drink together, we profess your love and your presence with us even now. Let us eat and drink together. Help us to be devoted. 
Amen and amen. Amen. Just if you could just keep your cups to the best of your ability, we're going to continue on with the sermon. But I wanted us to pause and experience God's love, not just talk about his love. Amen. Amen. It's not an accident that you are here this morning. There's something that God wants to say to you. Is there one of those bees that is stirring in particular? Do you feel satisfied? And are you feeling a nudge from the spirit that says, you know what? Be dissatisfied. There's more for you. Or maybe you're feeling an interest and you want to refan your love relationship with God. And you feel this, this movement toward, I want to be more devoted. I want to love him more. Or maybe you're like, I'm ready to go, God. I'm taking your hand and I'm determined. Let's do this. Maybe that's what's stirring in you. But whatever it is, I invite you to hold it. And in the words of the video, my question for you is, where you at? Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, words cannot express how good you are. And Lord, as we close and we just kind of hold some of the things that we've heard and give you space just to speak to our hearts. I ask God that even now that you make your voice clear. That you bring to our minds and stir something in our hearts for what you want us to hear. Your invitation to us, your hand is outstretched. Your love is pursuing us. You're looking at us. The invitation is on us, how we want to respond. So, Father, I ask now, as your spirit moves in this place, that you fan in us a dissatisfaction for where we are and fan a hunger for more, that we become dissatisfied because we want more of you. And God, I ask that you would fan even now a love, a burning in our heart that we can't even explain, just an outpouring gush of love for you that compels us to be devoted. And lastly, Lord, we need your spirit to help us be determined so often we start with good intentions and, and a good desire, Lord, and we know the enemy comes and plucks things and throws things our way and obstacles in our way and our very best intentions get derailed, God, but we want to be determined. We want all that you have for us individually and all you have for us as a church. So, Father, I ask even now that your spirit would just begin its work in us and we would have new resolve. We'd put a new stake in the ground that we will be determined to run this race for your glory.
because you are just so wonderful. We love you so much. You deserve all the honor and the praise forever and ever. And let the church say, Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church, located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.